Well, good morning, Lighthouse. If you would, turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 1. We're going to look at uh, verses 18 through 25. Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 through 25. And I want you to see the unsung hero of Christmas, in my opinion. It tells us in verse 18, it says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not willing to make, a, make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done, that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife, and knew her not until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. <clears throat> well, you know, every year during this season, and I guess starting probably right after uh, October 31st, you know, we, we hear uh, a lot about the various characters of Christmas. You know, people like Mary and the shepherds, and the wise men, who incidentally um, didn't even show up until a couple years later. I mean, go figure. But we hear about even the sheep, and the donkeys, and, and turtle doves are portrayed, and, and the event is just reenacted year after year. And I won't even mention all the modern additions we've made to the Christmas story, some of whom are more real to our children than Jesus himself. However, one fellow, namely Joseph, is treated merely as an extra. Now, you know, it, uh, he shows up in the Christmas program, and, but, uh, uh, you know, he doesn't bring any gifts. Uh, he doesn't sing any songs, and he makes no speeches. So if you're an actor, it's a kind of uh, part you want. But, in fact, Joseph, uh, he just kind of stands there in his sandals and his robes, watching as the scene unfolds around him. Well, this morning, I kind of want to just set the record straight. You know, as I, as I read the Christmas story, I'm convinced that Joseph possessed certain elements in his life that make him stand out as the unsung hero of Christmas. You know, the characteristics we see evidenced in this man's life, they actually teach us about how we should go about the business of serving God. And these, these, uh, um, these elements, they, they, they show us this even though Joseph is an unsung hero of the faith. <clears throat> so let's look in on this scene from Joseph's life and let's see what it is that makes this man stand out as a hero in the story. By the way, those, those elements that were active in the life of Joseph, those elements can make us useful to the Lord too if they're found active in our lives. So let's look at Joseph's character first. Look at verses 18 and 19. 
It tells us that the birth of Jesus Christ was on, on this wise. When as his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily or privately. See, I want you to see here that Joseph was a consecrated man. See, the Bible tells us that, uh, that Joseph was a just man. And this word is the, the Greek word dikaios. And what it means is equitable. And equitable in character or act. By implication, um, he's innocent, holy, absolutely or relatively. Now, if we take all those big words out of that definition, this means that Joseph, he simply was a man who lived for God. And as far as the law was concerned, he was blameless. And as far as his heart was concerned, he walked by faith in the Lord. Joseph was a righteous man. And I want you to see also that he was a compassionate man. As we read this story, for just a moment, I want you to try to put yourself in Joseph's place. You're betrothed to Mary, which is the same as legal marriage, except there's no physical intimacy. And all of a sudden, out of the blue, you discover that this woman's pregnant. And of course, you'd think the worst, wouldn't you? I mean, this is the kind of thing guaranteed to raise at least one of your eyebrows. Yet when Joseph hears all these things, instead of reacting in anger, we take we look at this, he, res, he responds in love and compassion towards Mary. He seeks a way to sever their relationship without publicly humiliating her. Now, we have to ask ourselves, okay, well, what could he have done? In Deuteronomy chapter 22, it, uh, it, it tells us, starting at thir in verse 13, it says, If any man take a wife and go into her and hate her and give occasions of speech against her and bring her up an evil name upon her and say, I took this woman and when I came into her, I found her not a maid. Then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity unto the elders of the city in the gate. And the damsel's father shall say unto the elders, I gave my daughter unto this man to wife, and he hate her. He hateth her. And lo, he hath given occasions of speech against her, saying, I found not thy daughter a maid, and yet these are the tokens of my daughter's virginity. And they shall spread the cloth before the elders of the city, and the elders of that city shall take that man and chastise him. And they shall immerse him in a hundred shekels of silver and give them unto the father of the damsel, because he hath brought up an evil name upon the virgin of Israel, and she shall be his wife, and he may not put her away all of his days. Now I read that to show you that if the man's lying, that's, that's what uh, can happen. Now here's what could happen to Mary. Starting in uh, verse 20. It says, but if this thing be true, and the tokens of virginity be not found for the damsel, then they shall bring out the damsel to the door of the father's house, and the men of her city shall stone her with stones that she die. 
because she hath wrought folly in Israel to play the whore in her father's house. So shalt thou put evil away from among you. See, the law afforded Joseph all the opportunity in the world to have Mary put to death. At the least, a public divorce would have left her destitute financially, and, and because of the baby, no man would have wanted to marry her. Joseph just wanted to do what was right by Mary. And our text tells us that, that he didn't want to make a public example of her. He had decided to make this thing go away privately. But I want you to imagine just for a second how the Christmas story would have been altered had Joseph reacted differently. See, my point in all this is, is how we as men and women react in a crisis. It reveals a lot about our character. See, when th things are going smoothly, we're able to hide just a whole lot of things that, that become real evident to ourselves and others in times of crisis. And these two truths concerning Joseph's character are lessons for all that want to be used by God. You see, God uses, first off, those, those who are clean. And He uses those who are tender-hearted. And of course, these, these traits, as we saw Jesus after He was born grow up, these traits were found in the life of the Lord Jesus Himself. And of course, Jesus was God, but as a boy, He saw that godly character, that godly behavior modeled by His surrogate father, Joseph. I want you to see Joseph's call as well. <clears throat> Look at verses 20 through 22, Matthew chapter 1. It says, But while he, or Joseph, thought on these things, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now all of this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child, and shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. Now, as Joseph was pondering this, I mean, uh, as he deliberated this entire situation he found himself in, the Lord spoke to him and, and, and placed a calling on his life just as he had done with Mary not long before. And the call to service was, spiritually speaking, a great call. And it was one that, that would have honored any man. However, as we think about this from a purely human standpoint, it was a call that placed a huge amount of weight on this man's shoulders. I mean, that, that burden, I mean, he just, he had to have been weighed down by this. It was also a call that was going to force him to endure a great amount of shame. His was a call that involved actually three elements that I want you to see. First is the revelation of a person. Look back at verse 20. It tells us that while he thought on these things, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take thee Mary 
thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. See, the Lord's call. The, the Lord knows exactly what's going through our heads. He knows exactly what's going on in our hearts. And the Lord's call to Joseph here was designed to help him deal with his hurts and his fears. The angel of the Lord told him plainly that this child growing in Mary's womb was the Son of God. It wasn't, it wasn't anything else. This was the Son of God. The Lord was calling Joseph to be a surrogate father to the Messiah. See, this also involved a revelation of purpose. As we look at verse 21, it says, And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, in this verse, this verse is packed with a lot of information. The, the first verse was designed to take and alleviate the fear. The second verse tells us the child's gender. It tells us that it's going to be a boy. It tells us the child's name. His name's going to be Jesus. And it tells us the child's purpose in his life to save his people from their sins. See, this child is going to be the one that they had been waiting for. This child is going to be the one who will provide salvation from sin. See, this also involved a revelation of a plan. Look at verses 22 and 23. It goes on to say that now all this was done that it might be fulfilled which was spoken of the Lord by the prophet saying, Behold, look intently. It, uh, every time you see behold, you ought to look and see what's on the page. Um, it, I was telling the Sunday school class this morning, behold is one of the uh, top commands in the book of Revelation. And every time you see it, you should stop and look and see what it's there for. They're trying to call your attention uh, to something. And here it says, Behold, look intently. A virgin shall be with child, and she shall bring forth a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which being interpreted is God with us. So Joseph is told that God is now working out his eternal purpose in the lives of Mary and Joseph. God's going to work out His eternal purpose one way or the other, but He's being told that God is going to work out His eternal purpose directly in their lives. They're going to be instruments to bring this about. God is going to bring past all the prophecies concerning the Messiah, and He's going to use Joseph to be a part of it. See, in this, and in all of this, Joseph is an example to other believers. He's an example to you and I. When a crisis arose in this man's life, he sought the Lord's face. Instead, instead of acting harshly or abruptly, kind of like me, I, I usually let my, uh, let my mouth overrun my brain, but Joseph didn't do this. Instead of acting harshly and abruptly, Joseph reacted in faith, and he waited on the Lord for guidance and direction. And as a result, he was what? He was helped by God. See, Joseph's call here is, is also an encouragement to people like you and me. When we consider that Joseph was a, was a humble character, and that, that he basically was a nobody, he was a carpenter. 
it gives hope to people like me. See, in, in my opinion, in my humble opinion, <laughs> to be called to be part of God's plan is an honor beyond any compare. You know, it, uh, uh, I've told people over the years, I never set out to be up here. It wasn't a design for me. I wanted to hold down that back corner right where Jamie's sitting. I wanted to make sure that chair didn't float up. I wanted to get my uh, check in the block, and I wanted to go back home. And it didn't work out that way. But, you know, it, uh, um, if the Lord's talking to you, you know, he's not going to take you anywhere he can't sustain you. He's not going to uh, lead you into the wilderness and leave you there cold, naked, and hungry. It is a wild ride, and it is the most fulfilling thing that you could, uh, you can, and humbling thing you could ever do. You know, it, uh, it, it gives us hope. You know, it's an honor that can be shared by every child of God. I was in Sunday school. We were talking. You know, every one of us is called to be a witness. And I asked him. I said, "What are the two qualifications of witness? One, you had to be there. Two, you got to tell somebody about it. Every person can do that. You ain't got to be an expert witness, but you can be a witness. And and you know, it's one of the things that you can do. And at that point in time. It's an honor shared by every child of God. You're part of God's eternal plan. Just as much as Joseph was. You know, look with me at, at uh, the Apostle Paul's assessment of, of his call to ministry. In 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, he says, He goes, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me, for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of the Lord was exceeding abundant with faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. Howbeit for this cause I obtained mercy that in me first, uh, me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should be hereafter to believe on him to life everlasting. That last part of the verse has to do with us. And Paul was just blown away. This man that was standing over Stephen at his stoning, that was choking out the church on its own blood, when he met Jesus on that road to Damascus, he was just changed forever. And he answered those two most important questions in life that every one of us got to answer. First off was, who are you, Lord? And once he understood that that was the Lord Jesus talking to him, he asked the second most important question. It's one everyone in this room has to answer for themselves. What do you want me to do? And then he, he, took, he turned around, and we see later in 1 Timothy here, he says, thank you, Lord Jesus for calling me into the ministry. I don't deserve it, but you brought me here anyway. I want you to see Joseph's conduct as well. Look at verse 24, Matthew chapter 1, verse 24. It tells us that after all of this, after the, uh, the angel spoke, it says, Then Joseph, being raised from a sleep, 
did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him uh, his wife, and knew her not till she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. See, when Joseph received his call from God, he altered all of his plans. And he put away all of his considerations, and he simply went and did what the Lord told him to do. You know, each one of us have, have plans. You know, we're, we're constantly making plans. You, uh, never count it, but uh, you, you make thousands of decisions per day. And each one of us got plans going down. But when the Lord's telling you to do something, if the Lord's leading you into, uh, into a direction, are you making excuses or are you just doing it? Joseph, he said, the Lord told him what to do. He took and he put away, he, he, he quit arguing, well, if I do this, I'm going to face this. And if I do this, well, we could do this, but uh, I need to come back and do that. He, he didn't do all that. He just simply said, okay, Lord. And he went on and did what they told him to do. And I want you to see what the Bible says about Joseph's conduct. Because this, this shows us that Joseph was submissive. As I said, very simply, he did what the Lord told him to do. And I want you to see his humility in this. See, according to history, there were three theories surrounding Mary's pregnancy. The first was that the baby was Joseph's. Secondly, it was that the baby belonged to Mary's secret lover. And the third was that Mary had been raped by a Roman soldier. Now, any one of those situations would have produced a situation that would bring both shame on Mary and Joseph. Yet when Joseph went ahead and married Mary, most people around probably assumed that she and Joseph just couldn't wait. And they couldn't wait till the appropriate time to consummate their marriage. Now, of course, there were some in that day who continued to call uh, Jesus uh, and his birth into question throughout his ministry. Look at John 6.41. It tells us that the Jews murmured at him because he said, I am the bread which came down from heaven. And in the next verse it says, And, and they said, is not, this, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How is it then that he saith, I came down from heaven? We know his mama and daddy. We've seen him as a baby. How did this feller come down from heaven? One more passage. John chapter 8, verse 37. Jesus is talking. He says, he says, I know that you're Abraham's seed, but you seek to kill me, because my word hath no place in you. I speak that which I have seen with my father, and ye do that which you have seen with your father. And they answered and said unto him, Abraham's our father. Jesus saith unto him, If you are Abraham's children, you do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man that hath told you the truth, which I have heard of God. This did not Abraham. In verse 41, it, it tells us, it says, You do the deeds of your father. Jesus was still speaking. Then they said to him, We be born not of fornication, we have one Father, even God. They had to go there, didn't they? See, 
And it's, it's, all this, of course, had to bring shame to the life of Joseph. But just like his adopted son, Joseph just despised the shame because of the joy that was set before him. See, in this, Joseph is a lesson for every person who wants to serve the Lord this morning. See, our duty before the Lord is to humble ourselves under His mighty hand. Uh, James chapter 4, verse 6, it says, it, it tells us that God gives more grace. Wherefore He saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. See, and, and, and because of this, just like Joseph we're told to do what it says in verse 7. Being as, as God giveth more grace to the humble, it's, in light of that, it tells us in verse 7, to submit ourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he'll flee from us. In 1 Peter chapter 5, it, uh, we're told to humble ourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt us in due time and to cast all our cares upon him because he cares for us. See, Regardless of the call that God places on our lives, there's going to be times when the world quits blowing its kisses. And there's going to be times when, when the world and the flesh and the devil are going to try to make us ashamed of who we are and what we stand for. And yet, in light of Scripture, we need to draw that line in, in the sand and we need to submit ourselves irregardless to the will of God and bear His shame regardless of what it may involve. See, I want you to also look at also um, Joseph's obedience. See, as we think about this, without, without quabbling or quibbling, without, without hesitation, Joseph did exactly what he had been commanded to do. What a lesson for the child of God. See, a lot of times the voice of God is going to come to us and we're going to debate. We're going to debate with God and with ourselves and we're going to hesitate instead of responding in swift obedience. See, if nothing else, if we don't walk out of here with anything else this morning, let us learn this truth this morning that, that obedience to the Lord is far more blessed than anything else we could do for Him. You know, this was, uh, this was shown... Um, in the life of Saul. Look at uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15. It says, And Samuel said to Saul, Has the Lord um, as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken better than the fat of rams. For rebellion is the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou rejected thee from being king. The point of it is, obedience is what God desires. And truthfully, it's the one thing that we can always deliver. It may not be easy. You know, we, we may not be able to preach great sermons. We may not be able to pray the, the most eloquent prayers. We, na we may not be the best at, at telling other people about Jesus. We may not be... Uh, uh, super to a whole lot of things. But we can tithe. We can get that right. And we can be obedient. 
we can, we, can, we can make up our minds and decide, you know what, I'm going to obey the Lord no matter what. And we're going to get it wrong. Don't get me wrong. We're, we're going to get that wrong. But we get up, we dust ourselves off, and we strive to, uh, to do it um, each and every day. I mean, it's the one thing we can always deliver, but whether we do or not, it's another story. So finally this morning, I want you to see that most importantly, Joseph was surrendered. In verse 25, it, it tells us that he didn't know Mary until she had brought forth her firstborn son, and he called his name Jesus. See, verse 25 tells us that Joseph was a man who was willing to place the will of the Lord ahead of his own rights and desires. He respected Mary's virginity until after Jesus had been born. And he did this even when it was inconvenient. See, Joseph willingly laid aside his own rights so that he could honor the Lord. What an example for you and me. See, there's times that when, when doing what God wants you to do isn't the easiest thing to do. And there's times when doing His will is not the most convenient thing to do. And there's, it, it, there's, there's, there's times that you're just going to pull your hair out with it. However, doing His will is always the right thing to do. And we should commit in our lives to, to come to the place where we, we actually lose our will to the will of God. You know, as I, as I read over Joseph's life, uh, life, I couldn't help but think, wouldn't it be great to be remembered as a person that was surrendered to the plan of God without reservation and without compromise? Our brothers and sisters, see, that's varsity. That's not, that's not JV, that's, that's absolute varsity. And maybe it, it should be at the top of our resolutions in this coming year. So eventually, as Paul Harvey said, now for the rest of the story. Eventually Mary delivered her baby. And on that great night, Joseph did exactly as he'd been commanded. And he called his name Jesus. Now this year in Christmas plays and, and programs all around the world, Joseph will take a back seat to shepherds and, and wise men and animals and other characters, uh, snowmen. However, to me, this feller stands out as the real hero of Christmas because of the lessons that, that he teaches us about obedience to God. And, and the lessons he teaches is about surrender to God. So as I wrap this up, let's take these lessons from the life of Joseph. And let's try to make sure that the same characteristics are found in us. Not just at Christmas, but every day of the year. You know, What an amazing honor Joseph had. 
We were talking about it in Sunday school this morning, and it kind of fits right in. But, you know, it talks about that, that John, in chapter 4, it said there was a, a window opened in heaven, and, and John went up there, and he saw a throne. And he saw someone sitting on that throne. And, and this person sitting on that throne was um, beyond description. Words wouldn't describe the beauty. Words couldn't describe the power and the majesty and the authority. And you, you look at it and you realize that in the big scheme of things, as, as, as wild as the world gets and as, as tough as things are, there's someone sitting in the control room of the universe. And people can have hissy fits and people can, can and lob stuff and shoot each other and, and the, the cost of life can get hard. But there's someone still in control. There's someone still on the throne. And then we look at, we look at um, uh, the plan and we realize that Joseph was brought into this plan. And that because he was um, obedient, because he was tenderhearted, because he was submissive, he had that unique honor to hold the very creator of the universe in his hands. When the very creator of the universe was at his most vulnerable. Think about that. God created everything. It was created by him and for him. He, uh, he spun everything in the universe by the word of his mouth. All powerful, almighty, and yet for us, he chose to break into time and space clothed as the most helpless creature to draw breath. And that same creator, the one who, who created everything, and holds everything together, seeks out and wants an intimate relationship with you. That's something to think about this Christmas. It's something that uh, I think uh, makes it worthy of us just doing what he says. Now, I don't know what's going on, what y'all, um, uh, you know, what the Lord's telling you out of the message today. Maybe, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's something there that's, that's going to stick. But whatever it is, we're going to have a word of invitation. And, and of course, that, uh, the invitation never closes here. But uh, um, we're going to have a word of invitation. And, and whatever it is, just do it. You need to go before the Lord, uh, renew uh, your commitment. If you, if you need to say, Lord, you know what? Um, I've, I haven't always done what you said, but uh, uh, help me. You know, we're going to try this now. Maybe you don't know the Lord. Maybe uh, um, you need help with that. You know, uh, we'd, we'd be happy to come up alongside. Maybe you need to take it to the, uh, the, the steps, come up to the front and, and pray, or you can just pray right where you're at. Whatever the Lord's telling you to do, just do it now as we, as we have a verse of invitation.